0: Well, good morning, everybody good? Good You guys are good today, yeah? Y'all were a little quiet, I felt like, but you're warming up. Uh, Maybe it was the rain or whatever, I don't know. Um, Hey, so, um, what was I gonna say when I came out here? I've got notes, but I was gonna say something else. Uh, Christmas is gonna be amazing, that's one thing I was gonna say. Uh, Sign up for, uh, seriously, for those classes in January. January feels, when you're at this point in the holiday season, like it's a long way away, but it's not. It's like three weeks away or something. So, um, those are right after church and we feed you. All right. And, and so, and we have, the main thing is we have amazing communicators and teachers, as you saw, that are going to, uh, share their hearts with you in a classroom kind of setting. And, uh, I, they're, they're going to be some super fun opportunities. So please do that. Um, this series is called manger throne and, uh, we're going to talk about why it's called manger throne. I mean, a manger is what, right? It's a, it's a trough for food for animals. And back in the day, a manger was either made of wood or more likely it was probably made of stone actually, like, like carved out stone or, or just stone that they would find. They would of, kind of fashion it together and they would feed animals. With, uh, with That's where they would put the animal's food. You, you guys know that. You're smart. Uh, and a throne, right? A throne is where a king or a queen sits, and they, it's where they kind of hold power. It's the symbol for power and a, a authority and maybe control, and and, uh, and and they command loyalty because of the throne. And, and so why manger throne, right? Like, why are we talking about manger throne? How could a manger be a throne. That is the question that uh, I want to ask you today. I want to pose to you today. How could a manger be a throne? There's another question I want to ask you first. In order to answer that question, I'm going to answer it with another question. Uh, and, and it may at first not seem connected, but they are. Trust me, they are. The question I want to ask you today is this question right here. Who do I follow? Who, who, do, who do you follow? Who do I follow? So uh, our oldest daughter, Bailey, and I were in Haiti like I don't know, seven or eight years ago, we went to, with, with uh, the church uh, at the time, our church at the time, to see this, um, to support this ministry that they were a part of, and we just went to kind of get our eyes on it and check it out, and it was kind of a vision trip, and so we went way back in the sort of the bush of Haiti, uh, the backwoods of Haiti, and this one day, we were going to go see this school that this ministry helped sponsor. There was one school in one place, and one was kind of across the, like, miles away Miles away, right? I'm, I, I, my, my man was here with me. We were there together, right? Yeah. Mike, and Mike and I were there together. Gosh, crazy. So remember that? Miles away, we go on this, this trek to, to see this school and it's all through the woods, through the, these backwoods. None of us really know how to get there. But we have these two boys that decide to join us and they're like, we'll show you the way. And there's is two young little guys and they don't have shoes on. And, and they're, they're like moving really fast through these woods trying to show us the way to this school. And we're just like, all right, we're gonna follow these guys. And so they took us on this winding route and it went on forever. And one thing I remember is they kept saying, five more minutes, like, like, like five more minutes. It's like what you maybe say to your kids on the way to Christmas you know, with your in-laws or with your family or whatever. And it's just five more minutes, but, it, but they said it over and over and over and over again. Like five more minutes happened like 50 times. And I remember this one point, we crossed this river and they're showing us which rocks to stand on and which ones not to. They're like, do this one, not this one. Step on this one right here and not this one. And they are showing us the way to this school. And finally, we're, we're, we're sitting there going, do they know what they're doing? Do they know where we're going? Are they taking us somewhere like really bad or whatever? Or are they really going to take us to the school? And, find and we realized these kids knew the way to this school place. And one of the keys in that was, I I was thinking, well, if you follow the wrong person, you're going to get to the wrong destination, right? But we follow the right people and we got to the right place. And I also thought about this, like if you're in a foreign land, it's important to follow somebody who knows the way. It's important to follow somebody who knows the way. One thing I would say to you is this, and this connects to me in some spiritual ways as I've been thinking about that story and thinking about what I want to share with you this morning. Um, We're in a foreign land. And you need to make sure that you're following the right person. Who do you follow? Who who are you following? Are you following yourself? Are you following someone else? Who or what you follow um, uh, in big ways uh, determines how you handle actually all kinds of things in life. Who you follow determines how you handle scary things in life, like how you handle fearful things in life. Who you follow helps you or not, but it determines how you're going to follow when when, when things get hard, when things get difficult. So I want to share with you a part of the Christmas story today that you're you're probably pretty familiar with, but I want you to look at it through the lens of this question. Who do I follow? Like, 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 who do I follow? And what you're going to see is this. And through this pretty familiar story, you're going to see that there's two different pathways that they're going to come up. One of these pathways is um, the, the, the one that's going to look good at first. There's one that looks good at first because it's full. This one person took this, has taken this pathway of power and wealth and the, power, the pathway of adulation, the pathway of even control, of even control. And that's going to be one of the pathways that we see coming up. But there's these other guys that took a different pathway. These other guys, when it came to that question, who do I follow? they went a different route. You'll you'll see it as we tell this story. So the story is from Matthew chapter two. If you wanna read the Christmas story, check out Matthew chapter one and two, check out Luke chapter one and two. I mean, those are the places where you wanna really dig in if you wanna read that this week, but I'm just gonna share a little bit of it with you and it starts like this. Um, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. And they ask, where's the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Where's the one who has been born king of the Jews? And so um, they go to King Herod, and they, they ask this question. Now, what we need to understand about King Herod is this that he was actually raised Jewish. Like, he's kind of like half. Jewish, he knows the customs, he knows the people, but his allegiance is to Rome, and Rome kind of rules everything, and they have put King Herod in charge. In fact, there's probably been some political workings behind the scenes with Herod and Rome, been some political agreements, and Herod, King Herod the Great, as he's known, is in charge, and even though he was raised Jewish, he was has allegiance to Rome, and so the Romans are thinking this is perfect. We got a guy who understands this culture, but he's giving us his loyalty. And so all that Herod had, he owed to Rome. And he was intent on holding on. He was intent on keeping that kingdom intact. But then these three guys show up. They're called magi. It's kind of a weird word, but what we know about them, we don't know a whole lot, but we know that they were kings and they were from the east. So probably from Asia, Uh, they, they came. And so get this picture in your mind, right? These three kings, come, and we know the story, right? We, you know what's going to happen. They go to Jesus, they give him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You already kind of know that part of the story. Do you remember this part, though? That they came to, the king, to King Herod first. They came to King Herod, and they went to seek him out. And so the king hears this story, and he is pretty alarmed, actually, because they left. They said, we have come to find what? The king of the Jews. We've come to find the king of the Jews. And, and, and Herod is saying... That's me, right? Like That's me, but you're not looking for for me. What are you guys talking about? But they had discovered that the Messiah had been born. They had been directed by the star. And and so they come into contact with this other king. And what we see with King Herod is he is trying to protect his little kingdom at all costs. He is trying to protect what he has at all costs. You know, um, we try to be kings and queens of our own kingdom. We try to be kings and kings of our own little kingdom. The problem is we, we, we try to do that, but it's really hard to get other people to bow. You know what I mean? Like It's, it's hard to get other people to bow. It, it, it's hard to get other people to bow down because, because like you're trying to do the same thing, same thing I'm doing, right? Like if you're trying to get other people to bow to you and I'm trying to get other people to bow to me, we're kind of at a standstill. But we try to be kings and queens of our own little Kingdoms, I I saw this the other day through Instagram. They try to sell you all kinds of things and sometimes I must admit that I press yes, I didn't on this one. (laughs) They, um, and then you do that and they send you more of the same thing. You know how it works. So I did see this one thing where you could, I was literally studying this and I didn't do anything in Instagram to input this except maybe say something out loud. I know some of y'all think that it can, it can hear you and it does things like that. I don't believe that, but this happened. Um, there is apparently a painting that you can order where you can get your face put onto the body of a queen or a king and uh, sitting on a throne and they will create a whole portrait framed for you and send it to you and you can put it up in your house. like. Of, <laughs> of your face. I mean, I did not order that. <laughs> I thought about it. But we kind of do that on social media. I, I mean, if you're on social, what you're, you're, you know, in a cynical way, you're trying to get likes, you know, which is kind of a way of like acknowledgement. It's a way of saying, I see you. It's a way of saying, wow, what you did was really great. And, and we kind of do that in life too, right? It's, it's like, I need for you to like me. I want you to kind of bow down and give me a like. I need you to see my power, right? That's Herod. That's King Herod the Great. He was, like I said, installed by Rome and he, and he, was, he was feeling these threats from all around him all the time and he's trying to, to, to stay in power whatever the cost. Who do you follow, right? Who do you follow? Well, Herod follows himself. I think that Herod followed him himself and and yet these other guys come along. These other kings. And they left their kingdom to follow something greater. I, I just want to pause there and, and just get you to consider that with me for a minute here you have Herod protecting everything, and here you have these other three guys who left their kingdom because they knew that something greater was out there, and maybe that's because they had experienced what a kingdom truly has to offer, and they knew that there had to be more to life than that. And so they went on this journey, and I just see them as like joy-filled guys that are on a search. They're on this adventure together, When will you stop being satisfied in what you can accomplish by yourself? I just wrote that question for for me as much as you. When will you be satisfied, when will you stop being satisfied in what you can accomplish only on your own? When we build around ourselves and we only follow ourselves, what happens is this, like you're leading to a place of regret in your life, you're leading to a place where you're gonna try to control everything in your life and that is a dangerous road. It's a dangerous road. Here's what happens next in the passage. It says that when King Herod heard this, he he heard that they're looking for the king of the Jews. He heard they're looking for a Messiah. He was disturbed. And all Jerusalem with him. um, He heard them again searching for the king of the Jews. And it's not me. Like, that's me. But you're searching for somebody else. What in the world is going on? You know, uh, you have this phrase, I don't think we use this phrase, but I think it was true in my household growing up. Like, if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. Is that true in your house? You can raise your hand. Yeah, it's true for all of you, I know. Um, if the king's not happy in the kingdom, nobody's happy. And King Herod was a dangerous person. And so there, were, there was a lot of fear about him. All, all the people around were like, if he's not happy, we're in trouble. If he's disturbed, we're disturbed too. Because they knew that he would carry out some crazy things if he got mad or if he got upset or if he got fearful. And he often did. In fact, here's an interesting thing. When he died, before he died, he ordered that a certain uh, group of Pharisees get put into prison. And his order was that on the day that I die, uh, they are to be killed too. The reason that he did that was because he was so afraid that nobody would mourn his death that he wanted some others to be put to death on the same day so that other mourners would come along and mourn them. And maybe they would mistake the mourners of the Pharisees for, the, for, for people mourning his death. Isn't that wild? Now, he died and they didn't carry out that order, thankfully. But that's the kind of guy Herod was. Noted for his cruelty. Cruelty. So um, verse, verse four says like this, he said, when he had called together all the people's chief priests, they had called the chief priests together, teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has, has written, that uh, you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Now, this is a prophecy of Jesus. Bethlehem is going to be where the Messiah is born. This is a prophecy, it's out of uh, the book of Micah, the Old Testament prophet uh, Micah, chapter 5, verse 2, if you really want to go look it up. It's taken, uh, kind, of, kind of taken from that verse. It's one of 355 prophecies that predicted Jesus coming. 355, every one of which came true. Now, if you have questions about Jesus today, and, and, you're, and you're really a, kind of a thoughtful person, intellectual person, it'd be a great place to start is to dig into the prophecies of Jesus told in the Old Testament, predicted in the Old Testament, and dig into them for yourself. Discover them for yourself. Discover the answer for y- yourself. My prediction is that when you do that, what you're really trying to discover is, was Jesus God's son? Did he really come here as a baby? And then you're really trying to discover, oh my goodness, did he really, was he really crucified? Did he really rise from the dead? And when you begin to explore those things and you do it with intellectual honesty, and that's the key. If you're honest with where where your search leads, my prediction is there will be a point where you bow down to Jesus and surrender and say, I can't help but believe now that this is true because I've seen with my own eyes, these things that have come true. So there's this prophecy that Bethlehem was the place where the Savior, and Bethlehem was this little backwater town. Nothing good happened in that place. And yet, this is what happened and so it goes on and he says that Herod called the magi secretly he pulls them together he 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 found out from them the exact time that that star had appeared in the sky and then he says he sent them to Bethlehem and he said go and search carefully for the child as soon as you find him report to me so that I too may go and worship him that is not what he wanted to do but that's what he told him actually you know what he wanted to do he wanted to kill him He wanted to kill him, he wanted to protect himself. So he wanted to know what was going on. In fact, later on, and it's one of the worst, and most awful stories we find in the scriptures, we we find out that Herod has all of the firstborn males of a certain age put to death. Because he's so afraid that this baby is going to be the Messiah and rule and, and take his place. He wants to kill them. But what about these wise men, what do they do? It says this: that after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and, and, and the star—excuse me—and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and they worshiped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and and, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. I discovered something this week as I was digging into this that that just is is, is kind of amazing. Um, In the book of Luke, Luke is a writer who, it's one of the gospels, right? Luke is a writer who actually writes to, to non-Jewish people. He writes to what, who are called, people who are called Gentiles, all, all the rest of us, basically. Like his gospel is towards all of, all of us. And so he writes with that certain bent, that certain attitude. He's like, I want to share with all of uh, the, the rest of the non-Jewish world what, what, what happened. And, and even in Luke, though, one of the very um, most important and first things he mentions is that he mentions these Jewish shepherds we talked about them last week. These, these Jewish men who were, had received this, this visit from an angel and, and who told him, hey, Jesus, the Messiah is born and you need to go see him and then you, I want you to tell people about him. And, and so even Luke, who is writing to these Gentiles, includes these, these Jewish men in his story. Matthew, on the other hand, um, writes to a, a Jewish audience. He writes primarily to a Jewish audience. You know who um, Matthew includes? He, he mentions these magi. These Gentile men, these non-Jewish men who come to worship the Savior. You know what both of them are saying all at once, all together, they are saying that this is for everyone. This story is not just for the Jewish audience. This story is not just for a non-Jewish audience. This story is for the world. This is happening for everyone. This is happening so that everyone might be saved, that everyone might believe, that everyone might come to faith in Jesus. And so these magi, they came and they gave their gifts. And there's even this cool story, like like back in the Old Testament where um, uh, King Hezekiah had sort of showed off the, 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 the wealth of the kingdom. And then later on, King Nebuchadnezzar came and he raided the kingdom and he took it all away. He took all the wealth away. And then you've got these three wise men from a different place bringing it back and laying it at the feet of Jesus, the Messiah. These gifts and they worshiped him in that moment. They ignored Herod's request of them and they bowed down and they worshiped them and then they even had a dream. And and, and so the dream, in the dream it said, you need to go home a different way because Herod's waiting for you and you're gonna be in trouble otherwise. I love this story of these three foreign men who were seeking after truth, seeking after God, seeking after the Messiah, and it's like, that can be us, or we can be the people who protect our own little kingdoms. For what? For what? So I got some conclusions I want to draw for you in this, and encouragements i want to share w- with you and one of them is this one of them is this if you're in that seeking mode w- we love that you're here this is a place for you if you're in that seeking mode where you're saying you know r- the reality is i'm just exploring what who, who god is or i'm coming back for the first time in a long time and i'm just trying to figure some things out um, we're so glad that you're, I mean, this church exists for you, and we're so glad that you're here. In fact, one of, the, one of the classes, that starting point class that happens in January, it's perfect for you if that's where you are. If you're kind of kicking the tires or exploring or returning, it's perfect for you if that's, if that's where you are. But what I want to say is this, would you commit to a serious search not just biting around the edges, not just saying, yeah, I'm a seeker, or yeah, I used to do the church thing or whatever, but now I'm, I'm fine. Would you be willing to commit to a serious search? We just, we just celebrate the seeker here. We want you to come and ask all your questions. We want you to come and be ready to explore. You're in good company when you do. You're in good company when you do. The scriptures say this about seeking. Jeremiah, the, the Old Testament says it like this. He says, you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. You'll seek me and find me with you when, you, when you seek me with all of your heart. Um, if you're a seeker, can I just encourage you? Keep the search up. Keep seeking. God will give you stars and signs along the way. And it is the most important and relevant thing you can do with your life. I know careers are important. I know like, social stuff is important, all, all of that. But this search for God is the most important thing that you can do with your life. Would you take it seriously? Would you make it a priority? Would you make it the priority in your life? And let me speak to you guys that are already followers, okay? If you're a follower of Jesus, would you be willing to make room for the seeker in your life? Would you be willing to sit down and to invite them to a conversation, to invite them to question with you? Would you be willing to make room in this church for those who are seeking? Our goal, I'll just say it like this, our goal is kind of like... We want we, I think a healthy church looks like this, a third of our people are those who have said, I'm following Jesus and and I'm kind of, you know, I'm not just a new believer, but I'm I'm taking it seriously. I'm I'm using my gifts and I'm I'm like digging in and and like I think I'm a mature, kind of a seasoned believer. We think a third of our church should live like that. We think a third of our church should be people who have said yes to Jesus a little little more recently and they're new to the faith and you're excited and you have questions and, and there's enthusiasm there. And then we think a third of our church ought to be those who are still seeking ought to be those who are still exploring. God help us if we ever just sit here and celebrate, oh my goodness, isn't it great? Everybody here is a believer. No. Our goal is that we create space for everyone, wherever you are on your spiritual journey. And we, we, we give you dignity and we give you respect and we give you a place to ask questions and invite you in. Okay. That that is the goal of this place. And if you're a believer, would you just join me, join us in that goal, like on that mission? Would you do that? I had a friend in college who uh, uh, we were hallmates. He was a year year older than me. We were hallmates at uh, UNC Chapel Hill. And um, I was was, uh, pretty new to my faith, but I was trying to kind of take it seriously and trying to dig in and and my friend had these spiritual questions that we would start to kind of dig into and i remember this one particular day we um, we sat down actually in the kitchen of the dorm uh down the hall and we sat across from each other at this table and he just asked me these spiritual questions and and we just talked about god and 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 i felt so inadequate in that conversation i felt like such a sort of failure in that conversation because i feel like i didn't didn't say things how I wanted to and it didn't come out right and nothing really seemed to take hold and we just kind of had this awkward spiritual conversation and then we just kind of left and I and I left going oh my goodness I don't I don't know how to talk about my faith and I probably made it worse for him (laughs) you know he probably oh no I'm good that's not for me um so we, we we remained friends but after college we um we went our separate ways. And I always had, had wondered, you know, what happened with my friend Grant? Like, like where did that go? Let me pause and, and say something here. Um, when you come to faith in Jesus, when you come to faith in Jesus, and I'll tell you why I'm going to share this in a moment. When you come to faith in Jesus, acknowledge it and celebrate it. Like when you come to faith, would you acknowledge it and celebrate it? Like if you are a seeker here and you say, there's a day that comes that you're like, I finally said yes. We wanna know. And it's not so we can like do anything other than like pray with you and be encouraged with you, like celebrate with you, jump up and down with you, be joyful with you. Because this is not um, a solo thing. This This is like a team sport. Would you acknowledge it and celebrate it? Don't be afraid to let people know that you're changing from the inside out. Like You need people to celebrate with you. You need people to uh, like encourage you. They can encourage you. You can encourage them. The second thing I want to tell you is, is this. or Actually, the third thing is this. Not only commit to a serious search and, and, and acknowledge and celebrate your decision, but give God your best gifts. Would you give God your best gifts? gifts, because like this manger that we're talking about, where God himself came to earth in the most unbelievable of ways is also a throne. It's also a throne and he is inviting, not commanding, not demanding, he is inviting us to give him our lives. And that means ultimately like every part, he wants us to lay at the manger, your heart. Um, your, your, your service, your time, and yeah, even our finances, right? Every, everything that he's given us, he owns it all anyway. He's just inviting us to give a portion of it back in trust and in faith to him. If you're a seeker, I would invite you this, do it as a test. The Bible invites you to test God in this area. He says, test me, like see, if I, see, what, I'll, see what I'll do when you give me the first fruits of what, you've, what I've given you. See if I won't rain down blessing on your life. Do that with your gifts, do that with what he's given you financially, but also do it with your time, do it with your service, do it with your heart and see what he does. His promise is not like material blessing. He's not saying, I'm going to bless you even more materially. I mean, he might, but his promise is blessing. And that comes in the form of a lot of things, spiritually, relationally, socially, in all kinds of ways he wants to bless you. And he's inviting us to share. He's inviting us. I mean, if you're a seeker, test that out and see what happens. So these three kings from the East, they they, they come and they bring back treasures to the Messiah. And they give these to him like joyfully, joyfully. The the last encouragement I'll say is this. Jesus, Jesus offers courage for your journey. He offers courage for your journey. Take it, take it. He gave those wise men courage. He gave them a pathway home. Take that. The the book of Ephesians says it like this, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Those are things about God, not you. You hear that? You don't have to be strong. He's the one who's strong for you. His strength, his power. And, And as you saw that verse, the, the magi, they returned home by another route. I want to invite you to um, to go home another way, like to go home another way. Don't let your journey here be the same journey that you take after you leave here today. Okay, because Jesus' invitation is to encounter Him. And when we encounter the living God, we can't help but start to become a changed person. His invitation is to change, his invitation is to grow, his invitation is to like go home another way. The encounter with Jesus, it should lead to a major life change. Because life really is kind of like that hike we took through Haiti where we're all just trying to get home. Like we're all just trying to get home and we need to know that the pathway to our true home goes through Jesus. Like it does. The pathway to our true home goes through him. So uh, several years ago now, my friend uh, from college and I reconnected. And, um, and we just had this amazing conversation. And I'd always wondered, you know, what, what happened to Grant and where did that go? And um, what I began to find out was that through a bunch of circumstances in his life and through God's unwavering presence, he had come to know Christ. And he he continued his search and he actually stepped into the life of this church. And it just blew me away as I was sitting across from him at lunch one day when we reconnected going, Gosh, it was like 20 years ago, we had this conversation that I thought went nowhere. And look what God has done. And that is not because of anything that I did, but that is because of God's faithfulness and his faithfulness to my friend and his faithfulness to me, to show me that he is faithful. He is full of grace and truth. He will not give up even when we do. And he will redeem things in ways that we could not even imagine. And I, I told my friend Grant, I was gonna tell him, talk about this story again, I've talked about it before, but he's actually like, here today, I'm not gonna call him up on stage or anything, or even point him out, where are you, I'm not gonna look. <laughs> but it makes me like, emotional, I mean, he's here, to, it, it is like, the story of a seeker coming to Jesus is just like mine, because I would, we were all in that place at one point, right? And he reached out and saved us and invited us, and he will not give up on you. And he's inviting you to go home in a different way. And it is important that you know that you follow someone, Jesus, who knows the way home. So who are you following today? Who are you following? Are you following yourself? I mean, a lot of us get wrapped up in that trap of the King Herod trap, I'm protecting all of my own. I'm protecting everything that I have because I I don't trust that anything better is gonna come along and and I don't trust anybody else or anything else or any God to do anything for me. So I'm gonna do it on my own. I'll tell you, that is like um, a a, a spiritual cul-de-sac where you just go around and around and around. And his invitation is to get out on the road with him and be a part of his kingdom, like his great kingdom, the kingdom with a capital K, not your own little one. And he's saying, would you just put your little crown down and kneel before me and he's like, we'll do incredible things together and you'll be on a journey that you can't even imagine right now. That's our invitation, the pathway to our true home. It goes through Jesus. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. If you're not near our church, we want to encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.